Any exploration of the investment environment in early 2022 would be incomplete without a focus on China. Today's episode of Insights and Indicators with Jason Thomas will help you understand the drivers of historical growth in China and what to keep your ears and eyes focused on in 2022. I'm Jonathan Blank in communications at Carlisle, but I'm here just to give you access to our esteemed head of global research, Jason Thomas. Jason, thanks for joining today. Thanks for having me. And for everyone's benefit, all of the data that Jason references is up to date as of the recording of this episode, January 11th, 2022. Jason, to start, could you give all of us um, some context for what has driven China's growth over the past decade? Sure. Well, well thank you. I, I would say that over the last decade, China has really shifted from a model that was really mostly focused on exports uh, exports very often that was supported by uh, foreign direct investment. So very often U.S., European, Japanese multinationals uh, investing in China uh, to to actually export goods back to in some cases the, their home countries or the rest of the world. And exports reached a peak of about thirty eight percent of GDP in China in in two thousand six two thousand and seven. So when you looked at total output in the economy, you know about forty percent of it uh, was was going elsewhere. And after the global financial crisis, the the model changed. It was much more focused on domestic demand, and in fact, domestic demand has accounted for uh, almost all of the growth observed in China over that period. A lot of it certainly was investment, but now you have a household sector. Uh, that is, total spending is larger than really any economy in the world other than that of, of the United States, just the household spending. And it's a household spending growth that over the past few years has averaged about $600 billion per year, just the actual incremental increase in, in total spending. So I think that that very often, uh, because China is, is still a, a export powerhouse, uh, China has seven of the 10 busiest ports in the world. Uh, China is still integral to, to global manufacturing value chains, uh, supply chains globally. Um, but, but I think that, that people still think that the economy is, is uh, far more dependent on external demand than is actually the case. Mo- most of the growth is, has been, uh, as again, has been domestic. And I think even more importantly to understand China today, that most of that domestic growth has been facilitated by domestic Chinese businesses. So last year, 2021, there were actually more Fortune 500 global businesses that were based in China than based in the United States. That was the first time in history another economy has been home to more Fortune 500 global businesses. And this is, you know, I think a, a really significant sea change because rather than uh, those uh, foreign businesses making the investments in China and, and again, having growth mostly about exports, it's actually domestic spending in- increasingly met uh, by domestic businesses. You recently noted that there was deceleration in the second half of 2021 for the Chinese economy. How temporary is China's deceleration? Sure. So I, I think that there, there's really two sources of the deceleration. The first is really very obviously temporary. And that is uh, what we see in, in the household spending. 
And this is very uh, easily explained by periodic lockdowns. So China uh, has embraced what, what has uh, been termed a zero COVID policy. So whenever there's a, a rise in cases or really any detectable cases, uh, th- there's uh, lockdowns, there's um, you know a, a mass testing regime that, that is imposed. And so various cities can, can have you know, weeks or, or more at a time where there's actually very little activity. There's, there's very little foot traffic, little spending. And so that, that's really what we've seen as the main driver of the slowdown in household consumption. Again, I, I think that this is something that we can see is, is, um, is temporary. The other area uh, where, where there's been a slowdown and, and in fact, uh, substantial contraction, it seems, is in fixed residential investment and, and broader real estate development. And this is an area where authorities, I think, are really want to get a hold on uh, leverage in the system. They want to stop speculation. They, they want to essentially shrink this part of the economy. Over the last uh, 40 years or so, you've had about 450 million Chinese people move from uh, rural areas to cities. And, and that sort of migration required very significant investment in in housing. And and so you have a uh, a residential development sector, real estate development more broadly, that's very large as a share of the economy. And and it's too large and it needs to to shrink. And I think that this is what we're what China is going through right now is really efforts to to try to come to terms with this, to shrink it, uh, to allow for some defaults perhaps, uh, but but to do it in a way that you know, effectively ring fences the sector, protects the broader financial system and economy. And so I think this is very necessary. This is something that uh, a lot of analysts have suggested China needs to do, but, but it's, it's something that, of course, is not without risks. But one final point I would make that I think is, is interesting from a uh, perspective of, of China observers is that in the U.S. system, there's a lot of talk about a Fed put, the, the idea that the Fed uh, will essentially c- come in and massively liquefy markets whenever there's a really significant decline in asset prices, cut interest rates, QE, et cetera. In China, uh, it, there's something similar, which, but it's actually related to GDP growth, where authorities, and it, very often th- their social programs are in fact supporting economic growth. If you look at the adequacy of the social safety net in China, it's not only below uh, advanced economy standards, but actually in some cases below uh, the, the safety net that's provided in, in many emerging market economies. So the way that they've essentially balanced that is to have a commitment to faster growth, to, to faster growth in incomes, to growth in the middle class. Uh, and, and I think that that's something that uh, ultimately, if, if growth persists below target levels, and the implicit target today is about 5%, and it certainly was below that in the second half of, of 2021. But should it persist below that, I think that we're going to see uh, the government intervention that we've seen time and again to, to bring growth back up uh, to, uh, to those targets. Jason, you've helped uh, in a very, con- a very quick manner uh, explain the past and the present uh, for how we should be looking at China. Let's now turn our attention to 2022 and beyond. What in economic indicators from China uh, will you be looking at? Should we all watch uh, the most over 2022? 
Well, I, I do think that uh, we, we still have to pay very close attention to uh, the, the real estate development sector. And so there we look at things like square meters of floor space sold, uh, square meters of floor space that's inventories uh, f- for the developers ter- in terms of what's been constructed but what has not been sold, total amount of, of construction activity, and, and then also, of course, some financial market indicators related to uh, the ability of some of the developers to, to repay, to, to meet coupon payments and, and repay principal on their borrowings. I think th- those are, are very significant. But, you know, China today is the second largest tech sector in the world. Uh, it spends more on commercial R&D than any economy in the world other than the United States. Uh, if you look at the 30 uh, largest internet platforms in the world, uh, they're, they're basically almost all uh, domiciled in the U.S. and China. Uh, eight uh, of the 20 largest are, are in China. And it really is the, the rebound in the tech sector that I'm most interested in because what we saw in 2021 was a correction in asset prices. The, the tech sector cheapened in China. You could get comparable technology, comparable tech businesses at much lower prices in China because of concern, some concerns about regulatory risk. But the actual performance of these companies was still very, very strong. So I'm really interested to see if those, the ongoing growth in sales and earnings of these businesses continues. Because if it does, you have a very rapid growth despite these really significantly corrected valuations. Well, Jason, thank you for your time today. I think I speak on behalf of many of our listeners uh, and certainly myself that now when uh, we look towards China, uh, we, we see a system uh, or an environment that we understand uh, much better uh, because of the, 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 the conversation we've had. So thank you for all the illuminations today. Thank you.